0: a late week edition of the garden report late night, nine 15 Eastern as we get going here and we are through three days of Celtics training camp. Plus a media day and what a week it was Sherrod. They're off tomorrow. Uh, They will do a walkthrough on Saturday and then here we are already Sunday. First preseason game versus the Hornets. We will finally get to see Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown head coach, Joe Missoula and company. So, That's probably the big news of the week uh, as we look back on it. Of course, last week, uh, just a week ago today, Ime Udoka officially suspended for one season. Joe Mazzula named the interim head coach. And we got to talk to him for a couple of uh, times this week and saw him in action, talking and interacting with the players. Got rousing endorsements uh, early this week uh, at Media Day. And it seems like these guys like him, have a great relationship with him. But the question on everybody's mind is, this guy has D2, head coaching experience, a couple years in the NBA as an assistant on the back of the bench, and now he's taking over the Boston Celtics with championship expectations. Uh, is he ready? And what's been your uh, – w- what have you thought of his first week on the job? Well, I, I think Joe is,
2: is doing exactly what anyone should be doing in, in that position, and, and that is simply uh, just – opening himself up to the process. Uh, Joe is not coming in as if he's got all the answers, as if he knows exactly what he's going to do. He's going to take some lumps uh, through this process. He's going to make mistakes. But he's going to have moments where he's going to look really smart and is going to do a lot of really good things. And I think the biggest challenge that he's going to have with himself and I think fans are going to have to have is patience. Uh, As you pointed out, Bobby, this team, the way they're constructed, when they are fully intact, there are very few teams that you would feel comfortable and confident that are better than them. And even with Danilo Gallinari out for most of the season, and Rob Williams might not be back until Thanksgiving at the earliest, there's still going to be a formidable team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but Joe's biggest challenge, I think, is just figuring out how to make those split-second, in-the-moment decisions uh, and not be – robotic like because I think one of the challenges for young coaches early on is they have a plan of how they want the game to go and they're looking for certain things but when things don't quite happen on the floor how they think they're going to happen do they have the ability to pivot quick enough and make the right decisions you know I you may you know again you look at this last season in its totality he had a great year but you go back, you look at the first 30, 40 games. I mean, it was hit or miss. Some nights he looked great, knew, looked like he knew what the hell he was doing. Other nights he looked kind of clueless. And at some point, he either figured out or stumbled upon certain things that worked, and he didn't let go of those things. And then they just took off. You're hoping that the, the learning curve for Joe
0: is going to be quick, as quick, if not quicker, than it was for Emei. So you're you're big on the assistant dynamic, the coaching in the league, uh, I kicked it around on Dome Theory with Soap on Deb, just how important coaching is at this mm-hmm. point. Because I think everybody's looking at Boston and they're saying, all right, they lost their coach. He was a coach of the year candidate. He brought them to the finals. This is a ginormous loss, and this team might take a step back because mm-hmm. of it. And that was my first thought, too. Uh, and like you said, a lot of the stuff you said about Joe's right, he's going to have to show that in-game fluidity. Uh, challenges, all the different things, lineups, rotations, difficult decisions, especially on a team that has a lot of guys. And we'll get to that rotation later. Uh, he lost Will Hardy. This team lost Ime Udoka. A lot of brain power right there, lost on the bench. Uh, last year, as we know, Will was kind of that guy next to Ime who's scanning the floor and going through the film and making a lot of calls on those challenges and stuff. So they'll miss him. Uh, And then, you know, you got your Ben Sullivan, you got Damon Stoudemire working with Smart. It's still a pretty strong bench, Uh, but they went out and requested to the Clippers to uh, bring in Jay Laronega again. Of course, it's an assistant under Brad Stevens for all those years. And uh, Laronega said no, it seems, within the past day here. So it seems like this team's looking for a top assistant or at least another assistant on the bench under Missoula to kind of help ease this transition and they kind of swung and missed on this first try here. Now, Frank Vogel's another name you hear. That's like a big, big name that you maybe even think like, all right, this guy's starting to look over Missoula's shoulder a little bit here. You bring in a guy like Vogel. And I know yeah. Bill Simmons was pushing for that on Twitter. But I find that dynamic interesting because this is, of course, Udoka's bench, right? All these assistants. Missoula's a Stevens guy. And then they were looking at bringing in another former Stevens guy's as top assistant. Like, there's a lot of weird moving and shaking on the bench right now, it looks like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's really I think that's going to be both a blessing and a burden for Joe. Uh, To me, the benefit of that is that you're going you're going to your assistants are going to be on high alert more so than than before, because they know that this is their opportunity to really make their mark, make an impact, be a difference maker on that sideline, because you have it this. To me you've just got kind of this open slate a blank slate if you will in terms of that on the bench leadership uh you know joe Missoula, as you pointed out bobby i mean he wasn't even on the first row of yep. assistant coaches last year and to, i mean it's it's really it's kind of like you know basically being like you know that you know the the, the guy that's on maybe your third string quarterback who's now your starting quarterback just like that and It it remains to be seen if he's ready. But I I think they do need a little bit more uh, experience and savvy in there. But the challenge that they're trying – and I think the reason why they wanted Jay was because they could theoretically bring Jay in and it not necessarily put Joe in looking over his shoulder mode. Because if you're bringing a guy like Vogel – he should be looking over his shoulder because that guy won a championship. So, and you Celtics fans are, right, things go wrong. It's going to be
0: Frank, Frank,
2: Frank. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and if you bring in a guy like Quinn Snyder, who I've known for a really long time and I think is a hell of a coach, it's going to be the same. It'll actually be even worse because Quinn, again, is, is someone who's also trying to kind of – reinvent himself a little bit if he were to go uh and be an assistant coach so i think what ultimately is going to wind up happening is i think the celtics are just going to roll with the guys they got maybe bring in you know a young on the rise assistant type you know wouldn't wouldn't mind seeing evan turner back in the fold oh uh, you know <laughs> some and not necessarily evan but someone in that ilk just a young that was the guy brad brought in wasn't it
0: yeah it was it was Um, but they're gonna this this is the weird thing about this year. So, Brad last year he hires Ime. Uh, the whole staff's cleared out. This is Ime's staff now, and now, of course, Ime's gone for a year. Not clear if he's gonna be back. Hard to imagine at this point, but we'll see. Uh, that coaching staff's influx flex a little bit into the future here. Now, I like the idea of going to Joe as a hold over here. Great relationship with Tatum, they seem to really like him in terms of his. Uh, savvy leadership poors and I think we've seen all that this week like I couldn't imagine a guy doing a better job uh, just from a uh, temperament standpoint stepping into these pressers uh, talking about the situation like he was in a really tough spot this week and I thought he did a great job uh, we'll see how it plays out on the court here but they're in flux like is this a one-year holdover is this the beginning of something new do these assistants like Joe and like working under him? Because the, this is not who they signed up to work under right. here. Like, right. is this going to be a short-term fix? Or is this team suddenly, from a leadership perspective, remember one year ago we're sitting here going, is Brad going to stay as GM? And is e going to work out? And all this different stuff. Seemed like they finally had that organizational stability. And now it's gone. Like, whether Joe does a good job or not this year, like, that coaching staff's going to be in flux for the near future here, I'd imagine, is guys say, "All right, do I want to work under Joe? Do I want to go explore some other opportunities for myself?"
2: Yeah, and the other thing that I'm a, a little bit concerned about, and and again, it's it's not even that the Celtics have coaches or assistant coaches who uh, are selfish, but all of those guys want to be head coaches one day. Yeah, and now you're working under a guy who sort of, kind of, but not really, the head coach. So when you have those moments where. You know, you know, one assistant may be thinking one thing we should do this, and Joe's thinking we should do something different. How much of a pushback is there going to be against Joe when he's trying to do some things that maybe one or two of the other assistants don't want to do? Whereas mm-hmm. when Ema was a head coach, if Ema wanted to do a certain thing, you 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 did it because yeah, he was right. the head coach. There wasn't any type of second guessing or you know anything along those lines. But now when you're an interim head coach. It's it's just different. I mean, the love, and it's not even so much a personal thing. It's just you're in that role, but they know that you're in that role without ability of being the guy. I mean, at this point, it's going to be really hard early on for Joe Missoula to really kind of have the kind of imprint as the head coach that he's going to want to have because. Everyone and their mama knows that he's an interim head coach, and in, as long as that interim tag stays there, there's going to be the potential for some of those assistants and some of those players to not necessarily give him the kind of respect that they gave him. All
1: right, quick pause to tell you about our exclusive wagering partners and one of our sponsors here at the Garden Report: Bet Online over at betonline.ag football is back and bet online is your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports info this season find all of the latest football odds news and game matchups bet online is your continued source for all your wagering information including live betting free contests and live scores always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events including of course mlb mma tennis Uh, boxing, and, of course, even golf. You know you're going to have basketball and hockey coming around the corner as well, so get ready for that. Use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, that code is CLNS50. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit.
0: Bet online where the game starts. Especially in the bad times, right? That's when we're going to really learn what he's made of, because day one, everybody's thrilled, everybody's healthy, everything's awesome. Uh, you know, week two, is there a little injury? Is there a losing streak in the first week of the season? Uh, you know, do they go on a longer losing streak there? Do the rotations not make a ton of sense? Remember, ime was under fire, I think you said earlier in the show here, around that January time. You had a yeah. lot of fans who were not satisfied with how he was doing. And right. He showed good poise. He kind of stuck to his guns, made a few adjustments lineup-wise, and I think there was a good athletic story about how he started to dig in on the guys a little bit more. Joe's thing through one week here has been keep things the same. You know, keep our defense, keep our offense. Our guys need this. Like, that's sort of been his message here is that the players don't want him rocking the boat too much. And he probably doesn't see himself as positioned to do that. Like, you know, how is he going to come in here and start shaking things up? And that's fine, right, right? They made the finals. Everything they did last year worked but when something goes wrong and there needs to be a little bit of tinkering you're right like is can everything move in the same direction here and who's the leader on this team really because that's another thing he's leaning on these players he says and as we know there's a bunch of different leaders on this roster it's sort of leadership by committee
2: yeah and i mean i think that for, to be candid i think that's the strength of this team is their leadership. Exactly. And when you, look at, when you look at Al Horford, you look at the strides that Tatum is making, you look at Jalen Brown, you look at Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, those are four guys right there that, you know, you put them on any of the other teams in the NBA, they're either the leader or they're second or third, in, it's probably second in command. And that, to have that many quality leaders, uh, is is there's, there's no question that's a benefit for them. But the thing that I worry about, is that you've got all these great leaders on your on your roster, but what about the leadership of your coaching staff? Uh, mm-hmm. Because those are the ones that are supposed to put players in the best position to be successful. And if you don't have a clear pecking order of how that's going to play out, you you run the risk of having problems i mean is it going to be a situation where joe is going to want to do you know want to tweak one thing on the fly and tatum's just going to you know just going to do his own thing because he's done something different and that different thing worked consistently and joe may be wanting him to try something new i don't know how all that stuff's going to play out right now everyone is going to say the right thing that hey joe's our coach we love joe he's our guy But when things get dicey, when it gets, you know, in the heat of battle where you don't have time to have those conversations and, and, you know, kind of, you know, just work through some things, you just got to go, go, go. How are they going to respond to that? Are they going to lean on their own natural tendencies or are they going to listen to the coach? Because remember, early on, Imei. It pulled old punches when he talked about how they were doing there were some selfish tendencies on this team. Marcus Smart made that abundantly clear when he talked about early on that you know, guys don't pass the ball. I'm wondering how are they going to avoid a repeat of those early season struggles? Because a lot of the concerns that everyone should have with this team are very similar to the concerns that they went into last season with. And this is a team that understands better than most. You cannot afford to get off to a slow start. If you have championship aspirations. Yeah. You you often wonder how could that go? How might that golden state series turn out if
0: they had home court advantage instead of golden state? Um, Well, You know, I find the playoffs interesting to look at because they had a great run. But at the same time, you saw the worst of the Celtics show up in pretty much all of their losses. Even in some wins, there were stretches where things got scary. Things got stagnant on the offensive Mm -hmm. end. Defensively, they weren't locked in uh, at certain points in that Warriors series. So Mm -hmm. one big thing about Ime is he sort of got used to the fact that all right, we're going to st- stray from what makes us great every once in a while, and I'm going to have to reel us back in. Right. And he did that over and over and over again. That sort of became his job by the end of the year, calling them a-holes and whatever else in the huddle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, that, those are things Joe's going to have to do. That's not going to change. This is kind of an inconsistent group in terms of how they stick to the game plan and the habits that may stressed last year. So we know they're capable of doing it for stretches. Mm-hmm. Joe's going to have to get in that habit of, being on them again, again, again. And Malcolm said he's on Brown and Tatum in the practices, uh, but at least in the media. And listen, we love Ime in the media because he was going to give us the great quotes. He was going to slam these guys and he was going to be honest. Uh, That doesn't seem like Joe's style. And that might not be indicative of how he is in the room, but with him, everything's great. Everything's awesome. I, I even ran into him on the elevator on my way out of the building. And I was like, oh man, Joe, crazy week, huh? And he goes, it was great. Like he's just got that optimistic, positive outlook, almost similar to Brad. And that's fine if that's just how he's gonna handle the media. But in the room, we know he's gonna have to, you know, be reeling in this group and getting tough on these guys every once in a while.
2: No, I I, I think you you Ashley, I was thinking that as you were saying that, that he has a lot of Brad Stevens like qualities. Uh and the thing that we learned about Brad was, you know, yeah, he's this mild mannered, you know, kind of, you know just real X's and O's coaching guy, but he's pretty damn intense when the game start. Brad's way more intense than we thought he was initially. And I think you, you kind of get that sense from Joe that Joe is kind of like, you know, you know, he has a temperament about him that doesn't necessarily reflect how he's feeling. Like he's kind of like still waters run deep. Um, And, Joe, there's a lot of – you get the sense there's a lot of stuff going on inside and, and, of him that doesn't necessarily make its way to the surface, us, for all to see. But the biggest thing for Joe, more than anything else, is he has to assert himself as the leader. He yep. has to make it clear that he is running the show because players, even if it's a subconscious thing where they get the feeling or the sense that he's maybe not as in control as he should be, then they're going to do what young players tend to do. And that's whatever the hell they want to. And that straying away from the game plan, I I think, you know, and for Brad, the challenge that I think he's going to have is making sure he keeps enough distance between himself and Joe, but being there to give him the support that he needs. And I know Brad, that's something he's very big on. He wants to be that, that sounding board for Joe when and if Joe needs him, but I think Brad might have to be a little bit more forceful about that uh, because I think Joe's just going to try to figure out everything on his own. I think that's kind of, you know, he strikes me as that, that kind of coach uh, that isn't necessarily going to say, hey, Brad, I need you to help. I need to. What do you think about this? I'm not sure he, he's that kind of coach. Um, but I think Brad has to really have a lot of those. Hey, Joe, how's it going? You want to talk about anything type conversations so that he knows that Brad is there cuz Joe's going to need help. Uh and that's no that's no knock or shade against Joe Missoula it's just the reality of his situation. I mean, not only is he making that shift over to being the head coach, but he's doing it in one of the more tumultuous times this franchise has seen in a long long time. And so for him, you know, he's got he, he's going to need Brad to help him Get through this. He's gonna need Stoudemire. He's gonna need Miles, he's gonna need Ben Sullivan, he's gonna to need Tony, he's gonna to need all of those assistant coaches and the front office to navigate the earliest days of his new position because that's the only shot this this group has, in my opinion, of, of having a great season. He's got to be as good or better than we
0: expect. Well, you mentioned the turmoil this week, and I think that's the biggest reason they went with Joe. I'm sure they like Joe. I'm sure they know he's capable of this. But he's a guy these players know, they probably trust, and they have good relationships with. And that couldn't have been said, even for Brad necessarily, especially coming in over the top and entering this room and taking back over. We saw how this group was affected on Monday, and I'll give them a lot of credit. They've responded in a admirable way like you know it was doom and gloom on monday guys were confused they were questioning things they they were frustrated and that was my biggest fear it was like all right are these players going to be uh, trusting of what the organization did here or is there going to be some player front office turmoil over the ousting of eme because they clearly loved eme and you saw that on monday i through 3 days of practice i didn't sense any of that like it was like basketball started these guys dove in. They showed their support of Joe, which was important. And I don't know if they've moved on, but I haven't heard any frustration or negativity or anything. And again, that's easy on week one. Right. But I feel like they've jumped back in. And, you know, it's been moving on the basketball. And that's going to be the easy part, I think, for Joe. Right. A lot of those frustrations and uncertainty and the locker room dynamics and all that, that's going to be the hard part for him. I think what people overstate a little bit is the Xs and Os like they're going to do the same stuff as last year and that stuff worked for the most part.
2: Yeah, 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 I am I'm not so worried about that as I am just just having a presence, uh having the position of being a respected leader of this team. And it and and again, it's not about players not liking him or anything like that. Yeah. Just the opposite of that. It's just that he has. He's going to have a different style of connecting with them than Ime had, and I don't know how quickly it's going to take the players to buy into that. And by buying into that doesn't mean that they're going. To, they're not wanting to do it. It be, it has to become a habitual thing with them. Uh, it takes reps to listen to what Joe what Joe saying and and embrace that. I don't think Tatum and Brown, for example, are necessarily looking to just resist, but they've done. They they figured out. At some point last season, I'd say about halfway through the season, exactly what they needed to do in order to be effective, and it's going to take them some time in Joe's system to figure out what they need to do to be effective. Because uh, you're not, there's going to be a lot of similarities, but I, Joe is going to try to put his imprint on what this team does in some way, shape, or form, uh, and that again, figuring out what that looks like, how that's going to play out, uh, and and then you know, there's the reality that. He's going into the season without his most athletic big man, without mm-hmm. his best stretch big. And so he's going to have to play some lineups that he probably would not have wanted to throw out there so early in his tenure as the interim head coach. But he doesn't have a choice uh, he, because ultimately you want to put your best five on the floor. And, you know, 40% of your best five or top six, if you will, Two of your top six are not going to be in the mix early on.
0: So. Yeah, and there's Rob. Eight to 12 weeks knee surgery. We saw him on media day. Uh, injury uh, is sort of a reoccurring injury. I had heard a, a small tear. They talked about bone bro, bone removal and a cleanup and all that different kind of stuff. Seems like it relates directly back to that original surgery here, and we didn't get a lot of details on it, but uh, this is double that initial prognosis, prognosis from the early reports here and he's going to be a major missing piece. Uh, Jason Tatum actually talked about uh, missing Rob at practice and some of the other centers. Rod, I don't think you were there on day one. The curtains went up, and who is standing out there with the first team at center? Oh, gosh. Luke Cornett. Here's Jason Tatum on some of the other uh, centers on the roster who are going to be stepping into Rob's place. Uh, so, you know, obviously, Rob's one of the best in the league at his position. Uh, so, you
2: know, we, we got to figure it out plug-and-replace and replace, you know, expand that mentality and, you know, hold it down until you get back.
0: Yeah, what are some of those new guys uh, come What have they kind of brought to the table? That's why, well? even Grant.
2: Uh, you know, we know, Luke for a while. He's been here. Uh, feet. Uh, extremely active. Physical, you know, live threat. Uh, you know, Grant. Kind of short, but competes. Uh, <laughs> uh, big body. You know what grant going to get this every night he just can't help themselves with in taking shots at grant um i remember you know, we, were, we were talking with uh brogdon the other day and he talked about you know when he was talking about grant, he talked about he talks a lot um everyone's got some got a shot to take at grant but to, you know to, to tatum's point uh they're going it has to be done by committee and i'm glad he pointed out fiondu because fiondu you remember they like him they should. He's a former first-round pick. Uh, good player. Uh, for whatever reason, things just didn't quite work
0: out with him. In, well, he in, got in drafted the by the Clippers. They had no yeah. minutes for him. Right. And where'd he stop? He had like a second stop. Oh, Cavaliers after that. Cavalier, and he had a few yeah. good games, but it was a 10-day deal, and he just kind of – they lost him after that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I still think he's a good player. Now, is he going to – is he a starter? I don't think so, but – Definitely, if you've got an eight, nine man rotation, I could absolutely see him being someone that can help you coming off the bench uh, with his defensive ability and and obviously, you know, uh, shot blocking. And and he's a I think he's a pretty good rim runner as well. So
0: he was incredible in summer league.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, in summer league, he reminded you why so many people were so high on him coming out of Florida State, why he was a first round pick. Uh, and with with him it's consistency which is which is the case with most young guys can you play can you be as brad stevens would put it can you be the best version of yourself consistently and that has not been the case with him so hopefully he's finally found a basketball home where he get an opportunity to play and an opportunity to be that consistent performer that he has to be in order to be
0: an impact player well i got to talk to him a little bit yesterday and uh, that interview will be out on Celtics All Access tomorrow, and uh, he he's fitting right into the system here, and they're playing a little bit of drop with these bigs. Feels like they're kind of, sort of easing these guys into it, uh, but he was thrilled to meet Al, and you sort of see the similarities a little bit between those two physical guys, a little undersized height-wise, height but they'll shoot the three, and uh, they're good drop rim protectors, and... Uh, you know, I think he's going to learn a lot from being around Al. I'm thrilled they brought him in, and he's on that two-way deal, right? So I think he yeah. can only play in 45 days, and he'll probably be in Maine quite a bit. But they should go to him early and often. I think there's something there, the physicality. You heard Tatum mention that. Uh, everybody was talking about how energetic he's been in these practices. Yeah. And listen, I think we thought some similar things about Bruno Fernando last year that didn't play out. Uh, you know, the NBA is a different Different level, especially for some of these bigs, but that shot is going to be the real X factor, right? Because if he can shoot Mm -hmm. above thirty five percent from three, that's going to get him on the floor, and that's sort of Cornet's thing too, right? The pick and pop. So that's what they'll be looking for from those guys, I'm sure. Can they fit in within the offense, set good screens? I think that's been an early emphasis. And you have to defend if you're this group, and that's where Luke and Beyond you are going to have some questions.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and again, the upside of having a guy that can stretch the floor, you know, is that you can create potential mismatches where he's got a little guy or a not so big guy on him, and he, he can just shoot right over top. But they have to become all around solid performers. Yep. Um you know, Fiondu, I think again, I, I think his defense is, is a little bit ahead of his offense, and as an, but he's got a nice shot, but he's got the ground that out a little bit, and not make the mistake I think a lot of young bigs make, and that is lean on that shot way too much. I mean, yeah. he needs to be a a deep threat, but if he's taking like three, four, five threes a game, that that's just
0: that's not. No, it's gonna be like hysterical. Tice. Tice, yeah. Tice would take a couple too many threes, and you'd be like, all right, this is this is not right. what we can do. Right. Uh, Luke, let me let me get my three minutes of Luke here because oh, I gosh. know. Like your your eyes are gonna roll into the back of your head. The commenters are about to go nuts. And Lord knows when they saw him with the starters, everybody on Twitter, everybody online did just went nuts.
2: No. <laughs> that was the reaction, Bobby. All
0: right, so no! so seven two, shot blocker, good pick and roll defense. And maybe a pick and pop three and some high handoffs. And can he give you, listen, I know you you see a guy's a starter and you're like, this guy's going to have a huge role, huh? Can he just start the game solid, make a few plays, then rotate in your smaller lineup? Because that's what I think they're going for here. Remember last year, Eme wouldn't always put in the best guy you think would be like the first guy to step into the lineup. He wanted to keep that bench unit intact keep the rotation so i'm I'm guessing they want to keep brogdon grant white uh, and maybe hauser together on that bench unit if you're just getting you know short rotation with cornet to start the game short rotation at a halftime and then you get into some of your better lineups and it gives you that solid defensive grounding to start the game and it just helps stagger your minutes a little bit where you're just not because he's gonna have to play a little bit no matter what right if he's with the starters, you're probably getting a little bit more out of him than just throwing him in there with the second unit.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you you almost have to play him because because of just not if all you were missing were Gallinari or Rob, then you could you you don't necessarily need to put him out there. But with both of those guys out for significant stretches, you're gonna have to play him. I mean, you, you yeah, I'm talking to, with no Rob. Yeah, with no Rob. That's the that's the. I mean, that's the killer. But, man, I, I think a lot's just going to depend on how how Fiondu does. I think yeah. that's the guy that they would ideally like to be that backup center because he has the ability to give you something that's a little bit different than Rob. He doesn't shoot the ball as well as, let's say, in Al Horford, but he shoots the ball from outside better than Rob. So he's kind of a almost like a bridge gap type player between Rob and Al Horford. But end of the day, man, they they just need they need the young guys to just play. Do whatever the hell got you
0: into the damn NBA. If you were eat in some minutes, just give some solid minutes. Right. Because you, you can't kill Al. That's the key here. Right. Like the solution to Rob's injury can't be. All right, Al, give us 38. That works in the playoffs. But you don't want to burn out Al by Christmas. And so no. that's where these guys are just going to have to eat some minutes. That's all there really is to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they'll get opportunities to do that. Uh, it's just a matter of one of the, and that's, again, that's another thing that Joe's got to figure out. How are you going to balance integrating some of those young guys in so that your veterans can get enough downtime. So that come late in the season and the playoffs, they will be fresh. Uh, Al Horford was a different type of player in the postseason, season. Uh, I much, better. I thought he, he was the Al Horford that you needed to have in order to win a title. I thought you, we saw that. And, and, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they were able to really regiment his minutes in a way where he did—he wasn't getting overtaxed—and that's going to be the challenge with a guy like Al Horford and with some of their, you know, players who've got a little bit more mileage. Uh, how do you give them the necessary downtime without it decimating your team in the process?
0: A couple sponsors here—you know them well—but we'll tell them, tell you about them again. Come. I think everybody's finally gotten to a calm place after the chaos of last week, the Rob injury, the Eme suspension. Sherrod was just getting calm the whole time. He was, he was I, on the- I, I that's why you didn't see me
2: because I was not as calm as I needed to be. He <laughs> needed you yeah, to really see that. I, it just I mean it just seemed like one gut punch after another with this yep. team uh for about a week there. I mean you know, you got Rob, you got Eme, and it, it's, you know, and you you've it got all started,
0: all, Gallinari, and then just went downhill from there. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and we,
2: had, right. And on the A-list podcast, we had talked to Danilo like maybe a week before uh, the yeah. injury. And so we're just like, damn. And we, oh. Uh,
0: and you're uh, questioning now whether whether he'll ever play for this team you know, after an injury like that at his age. It's a legitimate question.
2: Because yeah. none of us have a, a feel for how he's going to attack
0: rehabilitation. Well, I'll what say this. You? In his social media posts and everything, and they haven't ruled him out for the year, right? That that's not something they've done. It feels like he's gonna put in every effort he can to play a game this year. And now is that in the NBA finals? Who knows? Like it's gonna take a long time for sure. But if he if this is the last hurrah for him and he wants to get on the court and he wants to make that big push for his first ring. Mm-hmm. there's probably a way, and it probably doesn't have great long-term implications for him, right? But there's probably a way he can really attack this rehab, push hard, and try to get back as early as possible. Because a guy like Kawhi, he missed a year and then some. He's trying to extend his career, right? right? Gallo's at the end. He's pushing for that first ring, and he just wants to get on the floor for this team. So I think there's a world where you might see him, but it's not going to be for a long time. Anyway... Calm.com slash garden. Go over there. You know by now it's sleep sounds, which is my thing, the rain, meditation. Uh, I hear they get some yoga exercises as well. I haven't done them, but uh, you know that's another good thing some people like to do. Everything on here is just someone's thing, right? Like they, they have a little bit of something for everyone when it comes to calming down. I know Josue loves the calm of the week or the calm of the day rather, midday, You can use it at night to help with your sleep, which is really the key to your mental health and reducing anxiety and all these different things. And, then, of course, in the morning, uh, you can do some of these guided meditations to help set your mind right for the day before you even do anything. All of that's available, as well as some bedtime stories with LeBron James reading them. Uh, For 40% off, a full library, all of it, 40% off. It's a great offer, com.com slash garden. And then, of course, you know our other sponsor as well here. Where are they? Athletic greens. One scoop in your water every morning. You're getting 75 vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, probiotics, and of course, important this time of year, a vitamin D immune boost that keeps these colds, flu. I know flu is about to start firing up. And even just starting in the morning, it's about to be dark in the morning. You just need that little energetic boost. So, this you can get all these little things everywhere and have it add up price wise, or you can get it in one scoop throw it back every morning and they're gonna make it worth your while you go to athleticgreenscom slash garden maybe try it out for a month they get the cool bottle they get the nice container to hold it in and they're gonna throw in a free one-year supply of that vitamin D immune boosting and five free travel packs take them to work take them uh, on your weekend trip whatever you're gonna do and they're also the good people at CLNS media if you t- try either of these offers you're gonna get a phenomenal t-shirt Sherrod, i can't wait to see you in one of those you and me are not together on that one phenomenal
2: <laughs> i don't think i can go phenomenal that that feels like i'm i'm channeling my inner bobby manning and i don't think the world really wants to see that
0: um we're gonna have to come up with a charade shirt i i gotta think of some of your great garden report uh what, what do you like to say a uh a, a, a shot of something a shot i i'm trying to think of your phrase uh, of whatever we'll, we'll figure it out we'll figure out a charade chart but we're starting with phenomenal you can get that for free if you email a receipt to john underscore xanis with um showing that you support either of our sponsors that come or athletic greens uh, what else is on your mind at camp this week you were there on wednesday uh brown talked that day we've heard from tatum at this point uh, grant al What's your big preseason camp storyline that you're looking into?
2: I mean, the, you know, the, we can't, I mean, we, and we've already talked about it, it's just the Joe Mozilla effect. Um, but behind that, I want Jalen Brown to, he's to me is just a, a tremendously talented wild card that, again, he comes back every year better than he was a year before. And having that as part of his DNA, Sprinkle in the fact that you know lots of trade rumors about him, and you wonder whether he's going to come back with the kind of edge that we haven't seen before. He plays with a certain type of edge, but I think a lot of those rumors and just his body developing the way it has, and him consistently getting better from one year to the next, we could be looking at another All Star version of Jalen Brown this season. And he's already he was All Star a couple years ago. But I think he might be even more solidifying himself in that that conversation with his play this year. Because when he made it a couple of years ago, you know he was probably one of the last guys that kind of got in. But I think this year Jalen is going to assert himself as one of the best in the Eastern Conference at his position, and he will, I think, be an All Star again this year.
0: Well, I I'll say what's encouraging about these two in particular is they learned to play together last year. You started to see a little bit of that you know, them screening for each other, them passing together, those numbers only grew as the year went on. That was just a baseline, right? Because we didn't see them do any of that for years prior. And they didn't have the opportunities to have the ball in their hands. So this is the first full season where they're going to be empowered, tons of ball time. They learned how to play with the ball in their hands. Turnovers certainly need to go down. And I'll say this about Jalen, just watching him dribble around at practice, it's still a little loose, that handle. And that's always probably going to be the weak spot in his game that it just plagues him a little bit. Not everybody's a perfect player. Everybody has that weak spot. But yeah. I will say, and they've talked about this, uh, especially through the trade rumors last year and can these guys play together and all that. Going through that, I believe it was Jalen who said this, made them a little closer. Yeah. Uh, it made them start to have those conversations that they didn't have otherwise or that they just sort of rolled their eyes at. And seeing them going one on one the other day, the way they were, Mm -hmm. and I can try to pull up the clip here, but it's up on our Celtics All Access channel, the highlights of that. There just seems to be a little bit more of a jive between those two and a camaraderie. And listen, they've acknowledged like they're not the same guys off the court. They don't do the same things. They're not always hanging out, best of friends. And, you know, not every star duo in this league is. Mm -hmm. But you're just starting to see a little bit more interaction a little bit more of the head nods and just the connectivity between those two that we talked about. And we'll be playing it up a little bit. Who knows? Maybe they've always been closer than it appears, but I feel like last year they really figured out something when it came Mm -hmm. to connecting both of them succeeding at the same time, which is I think important and both just finding their roles. And, you know, to your point about Brown, you give him credit in that he probably knows he can be something bigger and better in this league. But for the, for the in the context of this team, it's important that Tatum has the ball. It's important that he's the first option. And Brown really learned how to play off that. And when we talk about the finals and everybody goes, oh, Brown had the best series in the finals. That was a product of Tatum getting a ton of pressure and Brown thriving off that, which is, I feel like, the biggest stride he made. He learned how to play off that pressure Tatum was getting.
2: mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, again, that's part of his own individual growth and evolution and, and part of the teams uh in, in that regard. And it, it's, again, when you're, when you're trying to do something that in is hard to do, which is win a championship and let alone win a championship with an extremely young core leading the way uh, it's damn near impossible to do that. But the Celtics, you know, they're, they're looking more and more like they're built for the long haul than, than, than I think a
0: lot of folks originally anticipated. So we'll see. For sure. And I think a lot of those things we talk about, that connectivity, the defense, uh, the systems they're trying to institute, that stuff's all done. And so there's a new coach in there, sure, and he's going to add his own wrinkles. But this preseason's almost easier than a year ago, right? Because we throw it back a year ago. You have all these guys who are trying to figure out the switching defense. They're having a ton of trouble Uh, You talked about the smart call-out and that ball movement emphasis. That was a real struggle for this team. But these are all the same guys coming back, pretty much. Plus Brogdon, who should probably be pretty seamless in how he fits with this team. You know, There's going to be moments where they sway from some things, and that's where the coaching is going to come into play. But but they are just sort of hitting the ground running with a lot of the stuff they did last year, and none of it should be too hard to translate like that you know my point is it seems like they're in a really tough spot right now with all the things that changed and the rob injury and all that but in many ways like they learned what they needed to do last year and grant was talking about this on the first day of camp like everybody knows the playbook everybody's jumping right into it full speed ahead i feel like we can play a game and compete at a high level right now whereas Mm -hmm. if we rewind to last year at this time You had Schroeder saying, like, oh, I've never switched like this before. And Richardson said, yeah, it's pretty challenging for some guys. And, like, everybody's head was just spinning. It's a lot of the stuff Ime was trying to institute. This time around, like, this should sort of just be second nature for a lot of these guys, the Mm -hmm. way and style in which they're playing. And that lends itself to a hot start, which is really something they're going to have to do when we talk about rest and, uh, you know, not having that late-season urgency.
2: Yes. They... (sighs) There's so many different damn, like, variables that this team has to sort through and figure out between now, start of the season, and then continue with that throughout the season. And again, this this is it, it, It's one of the more imperfect scenarios that this season is going to begin under. You know, there's always, you know, optimism uh at the start of the season for every team but with the Celtics there seem to be a greater sense of uncertainty uh which is which is unusual to start the season but when you look at the, the all the different <clears throat> aspects that they're kind of grappling with and trying to get get their arm wrap their arms around it, it makes a lot of sense that that you know things are not going to necessarily be ideal for them to start the season uh like I said, I'm looking forward to getting, getting games going. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Joe Missoula make the adjustments on the fly. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, him make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. Uh, that's the value of, of getting things wrong is, you know, learning from it so that you don't get it wrong again. Uh, so it, it's, uh, there's just a lot of things about this team that give uh, – there's just a lot going on with this team when they step on the floor. Uh, yeah.
0: There is, yeah. And I, the one we haven't hit on yet is that backcourt. And if Eme didn't get suspended and uh, Rob wasn't hurt and all these different other story lines we've kicked around here, I think this would be the big one of camp. What's yeah. going on in that backcourt? Where's everyone going to play? What's everyone's role back there? And our big question when they got Brogdon was – how how is this gonna shake out? Like, is Brogden gonna take over as the starter here for Smart? Is Smart gonna maintain that spot? How is Brogden gonna handle that? He hasn't been a bench player, I think, since 2017, 18, um, And his amicable nature uh, and willing to sacrifice has really made things easier during a tough time for Joe Mazzulla. I feel like. So it feels like he is fully embracing a bench role, six man on this roster. Uh, mm-hmm. He's talking day one that, oh, people are trying to build up this thing between me and Smart, but there's really nothing there. And Smart's been pretty complimentary of him too. And I think he made a good point in that they're both going to be out there in crunch time more often than not. They're both going to play over 30 minutes a game. Um, and that's true. So they have strengths that complement each other. It's the other guys in this backcourt that I think are an interesting spot. Uh, is Derek White about to play the Peyton Pritchard role from last year? Like 14, 15 minutes, struggle to find playing time. And Looks we know so confidence well. is a big thing with him. Yeah, so you know how does that impact the way in which he plays? And certainly Peyton Pritchard, to mention him, I, I think has no minutes right now, which is tough after he had a nice finish to last year. Uh, but White, great defense. Uh, good ball movement but really really struggled to shoot those are the three guys right now they're looking at smart brogdon white that they're gonna have to find some sort of rotation and roles on and off the ball that work for all three of those guys who have very different games yeah
2: yeah and and because of that you know um it's just gonna be it's it's just gonna take time It's going to take time to figure out what makes the most sense for this particular group. Because and you you hear this often, just because you have the core back doesn't mean everything that you did previously is going to work again. Uh, They're going to have to tweak some things uh, once they start getting into play because they'll realize that there's certain things that they can't do. Or there's certain things that they do better than they used to do. So what do we need to do to modify that and tweak that so that they're getting most the most bang for their buck? Uh, so that's, uh, like I said, we, we I'm ready to get started and just see what this team's
0: all about, what they can do and things of that nature. And who's looking better? Yeah. So this is what got me excited this week at camp. Well, the first thing was Luke, but we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. This could actually be super helpful for the team. I, you know, and It's just shooting around at practice, but – to me, Derek White's shot. Let's fly. Little better. Looks like he's made some tweaks. Looks like it's a little more fluid. Not so much fading away as he's done in the past. And yeah, he's out there working with Ben Sullivan and hitting a bunch of shots in these sessions. Yeah. And that wasn't always a given with him last year. No, far from it. We'd see learning. him in warm-ups piling up bricks. And so to yeah. see him out there looking confident, a little more fluid in his release. And that was the big thing for him. He's talked about it too, is he was sort of like leaning back a lot of the time when he was shooting. Um, yeah. And I don't know what that stems from, but shoots 30% from three during the regular season, 31 in the playoffs. And he's wide open all the time. So if he can start to knock those down, the way he defends, uh, he'll still be a real weapon for this team off the bench.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, he's, he kind of falls into that Swiss army knife classification. Someone who can do a little bit of everything, but everything good, but nothing great. And his shooting, that's his weakness. I mean, it's, and it's a painful one because it's literally the one thing that if you could modify or get him to just get a little bit better, you're feeling great about him playing big minutes, but you know, it's great that we saw him knock down a couple shots in, in that video, but guess what? We, we, I've seen Ben Simmons knock down a couple <laughs> shots in videos. And how does that play <laughs> out when
0: the games matter? It doesn't. So, And that's where it's nice to have Brogdon in there because you know he's going to shoot the ball well and White seems to be happy with him being here and smart too. So that whole – it's another thing that week one it's all great, but that might end up being the toughest decisions Joe has to make or – Smart's really struggling tonight. White's mm-hmm. got it going. Brogdon's got it going. Can we sit smart in the fourth quarter here and get away with it? Or Pritchard. Oh, we need a shooting boost. We're behind. He's getting hot. We take the lead. Does Smart have a minute in the fourth quarter there? We saw that in the finals, right, Sherrod? Mm-hmm. Smart sits that entire fourth quarter of game one. They find a little lineup wrinkle there that works. But it was really, really tough for him to sit down smart the rest of that series and try yeah. that again and they end up losing yeah
2: yeah i mean there's this franchise is is getting to the point where getting to the finals just isn't getting it done yep Uh, they and and they've earned the right to feel they belong based upon their personnel based upon uh you know the, the success that they already enjoyed this past season uh and and so you can understand why they would feel that way totally can
0: we kicked around jay early in the week I don't see a trade there that makes sense. Like, there's a lot of good guys on this roster. There's a lot of players in front of them. So I don't think that's a solution for this team, unless you do Sherrod, Jay Crowder.
2: You know, I I, I love Jay. Uh, I do I, too. I,
0: he was great here, but he'd
2: be a great fit. But I don't believe he will be here for lots of reasons. But the biggest one is I just think that there will be other pretty good teams willing to pay him you know, more than the Celtics would be comfortable with. And, and for him, think about it. Where's he going to play? I yeah. mean, how much, how much you know time is he going yeah. yeah. What's going so, on this team? Right. So uh, to me, it's, you know, it, it's just from a pure basketball team building standpoint, it, I, I, I
0: no, this it's not, this is, no. We kicked no. around centers. Some people like some of these free agent options out there, Dwight, uh, Whiteside, uh, None of them, Blake, Aldrich, a lot of names, but what are they? What are they really at this point? So yeah, I'm out on Crowder. I'm out on a lot of those free agent centers. Let's see what this roster has. As you said, Shroud, excited to see them finally on the floor. Uh, we will be back on Sunday with a live edition of this show post game. One o'clock tip off. Basketball is back. The post game edition of the Garden Report is back. The Celtics are back in TD Garden. Finally, felt like a long summer between KD and Eme and this and that and that and this. Now it's time for basketball. Celtics back on the floor. You'll be able to watch them. Hornets in town. I believe Raptors in on Wednesday and then a couple of road games before the season gets started in mid-October. We got you here on CLNS Media. Subscribe to the main channel. Pressers every practice. We'll be back there on Saturday. Uh, and then, of course, Celtics all-access for all your segments. A-list podcast. H. Rod Blakely, any new stuff coming up there? A episode already out this week?
2: Yeah, we just we just dropped one, I believe, yesterday. So we'll uh, we'll have some new content early next week uh, after the the
0: first uh, preseason game, obviously. New uh, dome theory out as well. Uh, you know, Garn report from earlier in the week. We talked with the full cast, Jimmy Joe Swayron. Uh, some new segments up over on OXS, So always something here on CLNS Media. Of course, writing up at clnsmedia.com. Joe Sway is now writing regularly at CLNS Media. So excited for that. Um, so check it out. A little something everywhere going on here. Ashrod, the professor, working all day and night. Appreciate you taking a little time with us here tonight. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good seeing you, Bobby.